0: Today's guest is Niall Corcoran, former Dublin hurler, currently hurling coach and games promotion officer in Kilmogood Croaks GAA. I know Niall a long time and it was great to finally get him on the show. He talks about his transition from player to coach, the importance of having empathy with the players, and he speaks about planning sessions and asking yourself what's the purpose of the session and what are the right questions to ask your players. Niall's unique point of view as a coach and a former player gives some fascinating insights and there's plenty for coaches to take away today. As always, thanks for listening. Enjoy. Okay, it's a pleasure to welcome Niall Corcoran to the show. Uh, Niall is the Games Promotion Officer over in Kilmockwood Croaks. He is also a coach with the Leash Senior Hurlers, a former Dublin hurler himself. Um, So I'm going to start off there. Uh, Niall, thanks a million for coming on. Great to have you. You played at a very, very high level and are now coaching at a high level. And I'm just maybe jump in with talking about the transition from player to coach and, and how you found that and maybe some challenges or if, if there was any.
1: Uh, yeah, thanks Stephen. Thanks for having me on having me on your show. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, uh, the transition from, from playing um, with Dublin and going to coaching definitely hard at first. Uh, I would have been, I would have loved the challenge of training at that level. I would have enjoyed, enjoyed training and would have also Enjoyed the 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 camaraderie in the changing room and and you know pl- playing in the big games and even last year and I think I retired in 2016 but even last year watching the uh, Dublin and Galway at Parnell Park and and the famous win for Dublin kind of you know it was great great for the lads and great for some of the, the co players who were involved but you know definitely it got me reminiscing about you know our time playing at that level and playing against Galway in 2011 when we beat them in Tullamore so. Yeah, at times it can be it can be it can be hard to let go because you're also you're also used of a of a routine. You're 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 nearly in a in a bubble, uh, and you have a daily routine. You have a weekly routine. And it's all built around. It's all built around really uh, playing intercounty hurling, and uh, you're trying to maximise your time to to make sure that uh, you can kind of uh, you know really achieve achieve. Uh, playing at the top level and uh so when you come away from that you're you're probably getting 20 to 30 hours back of your life and uh you're suddenly figuring out you know what what do we do um you can throw yourself into into more work but look, look, luckily for me um i kind of i kind of looked at it and and uh Kind of asking myself what, what was my passion and what what was my interest and, and um I I straight away went into doing a masters in, in sports psychology up in uh, up in Belfast and uh, up in Jordanstown and uh, that certainly uh, filled filled the void of, of not playing intercounty hurling and but but also kind of it's been a huge interest of mine for a while and but I guess things being the way they were I just didn't have time to, to fit that in but look hugely enjoyed the study and it was a it was a new challenge and um uh, it also helped give me kind of a kind of a new focus or, or a new purpose um you know which, and which was really important for me and important for, for my own development development and you know during the during, during the year we covered with we lectures and covered modules on you know athletes transitioning from from playing to coaching so it was a a good insight, um, even as part of the course in terms of you know ways you can you can you can you can help w- with that transition, um, and you know from there again. Look, I, I hugely enjoy the coaching, like as my role as a as a full time games officer with Dublin G and also my role with Leash. I I love coaching, um, and I love being involved involved in that environment. So, um, but it but again, it's it's probably taken time just to make that transition and. For me to be really comfortable, um, you know, in that transition and, and where I am now, um, and look, nothing really, not really kind of, re- you know, replaces that playing the big games or even the training. Uh, I'm still playing a bit now, uh, even at this late stage of my career, and that's that's hugely enjoyable. Um, but certainly, the coaching, the coaching aspect, for me, it's 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 interest of mine are also helps me to i guess stay involved stay involved in the game and keep connected
0: and Niall, do you think that your experience let's say at the top level as a player has helped you jump in as a coach at that level a lot quicker than maybe some uh because the experiences that you've had at it and you know i suppose what's required but also and i know you do have an advantage of your own your your, your full-time job as well
1: yeah i I suppose that the benefits of having played at the at, at the high level and then being coaching is that you have you kind of have an empathy an empathy with the players in terms of you know an understanding of, of what they're going through the challenge they're facing in that environment, um and you know there's there's highs and lows uh, associated with with playing at that level you know from getting injured. Uh, to maybe not start not on the team or not making a match to a squad uh, balancing, balancing your work commitments balancing your playing commitments family commitments so for me the advantage might be that having, having been through with that you can maybe empathise with players more in terms of uh, you know hopefully help them manage, manage um, their lifestyle or kind of ma- manage those challenges more uh, certainly th- my background in coaching has helped uh, helped me become a better coach, just in just in terms of um, um, making sure the coaching it's best practice, it, it's it's applicable, it's appropriate, and that there's a there's a transfer from what we do on the training pitch onto the onto into the games. Um, you know, and, and I guess working for me, working with the likes of Eddie Brennan and Tommy Fitzgerald, who would have played with Leash. You know you're 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 learning off them, and both of them have, have played at a high level, and, and they have experiences too uh, that, that, that that they would have shared. Especially Eddie having having won 8 other medals, and and you know some some of his experiences and some of his stories, you know, uh, that he shares with, with the players and, and with ourselves is you know it gives us a a good insight maybe of what a high performing high performing environment looks like. Um, yeah, so definitely I would say. Uh, it's it's the the experience has, has helped you know, but I, I certainly wouldn't say just because you played at, at the intercounty level means you're going to be a good coach at, at the intercounty level. You you still have to develop your own coaching. You know, where you're always asking players to, to learn and develop, and as a coach, you have to be able to, to do the same. And and you know, part of that for me. In my role with leash is just lear- learning my trail i guess lear- learning my own at that level and looking no doubt i'm making i definitely am making lots of mistakes but at the same time i'm learning huge amounts about coaching at that level and about interacting with players at that level so um yeah it's 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 uh it, it can it can definitely my my own experience has definitely benefited me in in, in some of those ways
0: yeah, I think that's a, a very, very good point that you make, that just because you play it at a, at a high level doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be a, a fantastic coach at that level. And I, I often find that it's really interesting to see um players who have played at a high level and sometimes they really, really struggle to deal with uh, or, or coach or manage teams who maybe aren't at that level um, and it's nearly a frustration thing that that they, they can't... um get what they want out of them whereas as you say a really good point that you have to develop those coaching skills and and how to coach in, in particular
1: yeah it's it's i remember i remember my time there with dublin and um under dail and you know he 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 we all did a this um an anagram test it's a personality test. And it, it was about, you know, finding out the types of personalities within the squad, uh, for him to be able to, uh, to, to connect better with the players and, and relate better with the players. And, you know, that was, looking back on it now, it was a kind of a, a fascinating insight in terms of a coach or a manager going to that level to be able to connect with the players and connect with the squad and find out, you know, the different personality types and, and how best, uh, to communicate with those players. And, uh, I think I think that's that's really important because um, you can have all the you can you can have all the experience in the world from from playing at the high level, uh, but if you're not able to to connect with the players or connect with your squad or you know build a rapport and as you said, Steve, you know use those how to coach skills, um, it doesn't really it doesn't really then doesn't really matter how much how much you, or what level you play at if you can't build that connection and have that rapport and create that, create that environment, you know, it's, it's going to be very, very hard to, to succeed. So uh, I just, I kind of, that's, that sticks out for me, you know, under, under my, my time playing under with Dublin, with Anthony and, and kind of some of the the, the levels he went to, to understand players more and to for him to, to make that connection. And the, I just thought it was a, it was kind of a, because that, because he was a player himself, he was, He's won two Ireland Ireland. He captain Clare. He's a he, huge CV um, himself, but still, here was a here was kind of a you know a, a coach or a, a person trying to develop his own coaching by getting to know his players more. So yeah, like I, I would say that, and we see some ex former players who who have successfully made that 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 transition from playing to coaching, and then you, you have maybe some players who, who don't who don't. Um, make it as successfully so it goes back to the coaching skills i think uh and developing your coaching skills i think if you're going to get involved with your teams that you have to start developing those skills
0: how can you talk us through maybe some of the stuff that you learned through there um again you were probably able to relate an awful lot of it back to what you did as a player, but then how are you now implementing that into your sessions with let's say leash? And I'm not looking for you to give away any secrets or anything <laughs> like that. Just, just a general overview. Cause there's a lot of people listening who may not be, who may have heard of a psychology coach or, or a performance coach or whatever that may be, whatever term uh, you wish to use, but I suppose they may not have an insight into what they actually do or, or what type of um, methods they use.
1: Well, I suppose, I, first of all, it's probably important to say that, that I, I'm not a sports psychologist. Uh, it's, it's I, I've just been able to do a master's in sports psychology, so from for my own coaching, it's given me a better insight in terms of maybe how I can use psychology to enhance my own coaching and, and to enhance enhance players. Um. Yeah, I remember before doing the course, uh, Ed Ed Coughlin, who's a skill skills acquisition coach who, who worked with us, with Dublin in the last my last 18 months with Dublin uh kind of he said to me you're going to learn a huge amount about yourself as a player and and why you do the things you do and, and why you are the way you are and he was that kind of that kind of stuck with me when I was doing the course and um certainly when when we looked at the the applied the applied psychology or the performance psychology and um you know I'm very very fascinated with the with the motivational theories, and some of them, some of them we covered like achievement goal theory and the, the self ter- determination theory, and it's a, I know you've you've you used it yourself in, in your own in your own studies, but it, I, I use it as a framework um, for my coaching. So just kind of two two theories that I use in my coaching. One of them is the self determination theory, and the other one is is one I actually I got from Ed and it's it's about ensuring that your that your sessions are relevant that they have context and that there are consequences um and if we can ensure those three things well then there's a better great a better chance that what we do in the training fields transfers onto the onto the games and onto the matches which is really important so
0: okay no, i'm gonna have to jump in here now for a second. Okay. You mentioned a few things there, which I am familiar with, but maybe some of our listeners may not be. So would you give a really brief overview maybe of self-determination theory and then uh, I'm really interested in this, the relevant and the context consequences around your sessions. You might talk us through maybe a really basic practical example of it.
1: Well, yeah. So again, they're they're the theories. That's the framework for my coaching session. So the self-determination theory, um, as you well know, Stephen, there's, it's about uh, increasing intrinsic motivation and really that we want our players and our squads and even coaches to be intrinsically motivated and so how do we increase that motivation along that that continuum and i use that with my coaches in 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 croaks when for example you have a a five-year-old come into the club and he comes down or she comes down every saturday and maybe they're coming down because you know what they've been promised the hot chocolate at the end of the session so how how do we change enhance that motivation for a player that, that they're going to come down because actually you know what they have, they have a connection to the club uh, that maybe they like a certain game you know in the session that maybe they're 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 making new friends and you're trying to uh, change that motivation uh, for that child it's no so different with the player so the self determination theory made up of three parts that we're trying to uh, give players more autonomy uh, give them more ownership. Of 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 the um, give them more choice when the session. So things that I do in the sessions is I I'd, I'd always I I would be asking for their opinion, be asking their questions. You know, if you ask Eddie or Tommy, they probably maybe sick of me stopping the session and asking players their opinions on what they think. Or maybe you know, certainly last year uh, we would have asked players to take parts of the session. So uh, and. I remember even my own time with Dublin that when we had Martin Kennedy involved, there would have been times where the backs would have had to, uh, at the end of the, session, at the, end of the sh- session, on the Tuesday, they'd have been told you have to plan uh, a session for 15 minutes on the Thursday that uh, suit the needs of, of of the backs. So something that you need to work on and, that, and and you're going to deliver that session to the rest of the group. So that there are some examples of uh, maybe giving the ownership um, back to the players in terms of helping their own self self um, self-improvement uh, again the competence part is that you know if if that you' if, if you're gonna you're trying to uh, increase players levels of competence so if the, you're trying to make them better so if that's what they're striking their first touch the decision making and you're and do, we kind of use the, the, video, the video analysis as a great tool of Showing improving their competence. Um, so, for me, I, I'd have felt a big success of of the Leash story last year would have been the fact that we were playing in um, the Division One League and we were playing teams like Galway Waterford, Limerick, and so you know these teams these teams w- would be would be would have been playing at a level higher higher than Leash. But certainly, from a competence point of view, there were there were there were there were parts. In those league games where we where we would have had the likes of you know Limerick or Waterford, we'd have taken c- control of that game, and we would have been able to effectively implement our own game plan and 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 our own, our own way of playing those games. So, at the end at the end of the, that league campaign, we were able to show clips of to our players of you know you know how far they'd come and how competent they'd become at at their own skills, at implementing their game plan at at this at, at making at making better decisions against I guess the, the so called better teams um, and the fact you're able to show that um, makes well obviously makes it more believable because it, it, it's fact they can see it there in, in black and white and the other parts of self, of the self determination theory is uh is relatedness you know building a connection a sense of belonging um, to 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 what they're about so uh, one of the first things that we'd have done uh again with leash last year we would have had a team meeting to uh, i guess a, an identity team meeting for for the one of a better description so um we just sat the players down and kind of ask them you know why, why why are they here what do they want from the season uh and kind of ask them to maybe you know the question really posed them is you know wh- what do we stand for as a squad what does leash Harding stand for? Uh, and maybe ask them to come up with with an identity um, for, for for the season. you know. So at the end of the season, how would you like to be described? If people walked in or people from other counties or other teams playing against you, how would they describe you? Um, how would you like to be described at the end of the season? And, and kind of having those conversations brought it you know, a greater sense of, of belonging and, and relatedness to, 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 and a purpose to, to what to what they were about. So, um, and, and there were other parts of that. So, you know, players who, players maybe who mightn't have been starting uh, would, would have been given responsibility to, to lead video analysis sessions or lead some training sessions because, you know, it's not about the first 15 to be successful. You have to have everybody on board, backroom team. 30 players, and everybody has to feel included and have to has to have that sense of belonging. So, it's about coming up coming up with ways how how you bring in everybody in, in, into what we're about. Uh, so, going back to the, the self determination theory, it's about you know in, increasing those three elements will ultimately increase that motivation. So, there there were some of the things that we did in within the sessions and outside the sessions to 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 increase that. The, the other theory really I used uh, for my on-field coaching, which I, which I got from Ed, which was about you know when you're building your session, make sure it's relevant, make sure there's context, and make sure there are, there are consequences. So what did that look like? Really, the, the, the relevance bit was making sure that they're, they're, they're making the same movements that they make in a match. So, for example, if our, if our sessions are all drill-based, going to, out to one cone, out to the next cone, that's not really what they're, going to, what they're going to do in the match. So you're making sure that everything that we do in our training sessions, they will do in the game. So re- relevant movements, relevant skills, uh, and re- relevant content that's going to enhance the game plan. The context bit was put, about putting them in situ- situational coaching. I think is what I think Paul Caner uses it. It's about putting them in putting them in situations that they'll find themselves in in matches. So that might be. You know, with five minutes to go, we're three points down. How are we going to react? We're playing with fourteen men. Okay, how are we going to respond to that? Maybe we're going to play against the sweeper. maybe we're going to play with a sweeper. Maybe we're going to play with, you know, with two players inside the full forward line. So you're 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 putting maybe maybe we're five points up with three minutes left, and you're playing. You know, you're you're playing a top team. How do you respond? We were all the time putting them in those situations and, and blowing the whistle and playing for five minutes and letting that play out and then quickly reviewing that. So, how did that work? How did we, what do we do playing with a man down? How do we respond? Uh, what was com- the communication like on the field? So, it just means that if those situations arrive on, on, in the game, that at least at the very least that we've covered those in our training sessions that guys have have a, a sense of, of what we can do maybe or what the protocol might be if we find ourselves in those situations the consequence, the consequence bit was probably the the struggle because if you make if you make a mistake in the game there's a consequence whether whether that's a, a cornerback going to the ball and missing the ball the consequence might be that a corner forward puts in the back of the net and that's something that you have to deal with as a player you have to deal with making mistakes uh, in in your games and and getting over those mistakes and moving on. So, if you want players to do that, you have to get them used to that environment. So, in, so introducing consequences into our training. Um, so, if they do make a mistake, that you know what, okay, I made a mistake. There's the consequence. Now we need to quickly move on and uh, and go to the next job. So, they would have been consequences that we we would have introduced you know not really physical but, but would have been at the end of the maybe we play for five minutes and at the end of the five minutes the losing team would look sing a song right or uh, maybe at the end of the session that the, the losing team would you know carry the winning team off the field
0: and how many um, how, did you get any pushback for teams having to sing a song uh, look, it's, like it's, that?
1: you know what it, 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 it's it's in serious <laughs> crack I can show you some videos that uh that you know we, we use that for if players kind of you know are, are late for training or you know as a coach you can, you can have a go but maybe look at uh player player adult players don't really like singing the song in front of 20 other players even so uh uh that's a bigger consequence that maybe having a go with them or, or finding or finding them for example uh so
0: you're gonna have Coaches up and down the country now listening to this, making people sing songs but, now when they're late to training. And, and but I, so I, I
1: remember Eds told me a great story of you know he was coaching a basketball team and I think I think the the session was a bit flat, so he introduced the consequence. He said to them that we're going to play for the next the next two minutes, and 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 the losing team is going. Oh, I don't recommend this, by the way, and I haven't tried it. Uh, but the but the but the losing team was going to have to hand their mobile phones over to the winning team for one minute. and for one minute, one minute, the winning team could do whatever they wanted on, on their mobile phones. And he just said, like the 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 energy in the in the training session just went from zero to hundred just like that. So that was kind of an extreme example of what a consequence might be. But you can make them fun too, and, and, and but they, but you can still have the same the same. Uh, the same uh, kind of reaction or, or the same response that you want so um that's look there's some a couple of the theories that i use from my, my psychology background and from
0: no I, I i think sorry to cut you off but i think that's really really well explained so you've taken the theory you've explained what it is and and the actual theory in terms of how it's supposed to work you're given real life practical examples and i think it goes to, to it's testament to you, yourself as a coach, but uh, it's a really good um, example for people to list that, that are listening to see the detail, the amount of planning that's gone into your session. So, is is really really important, and when that's underpinned by a sound theory, I think that that's when it can have really really powerful results. And um, so, I think that's really really useful. Yeah, uh, it
1: and it, uh, that's just look at it. It's it, it. I have developed that along my own coaching experience you know uh, me as a coach five years ago is probably completely different now to me to me as a coach now just because of I guess the, the experiences that I've been exposed to my learning uh, and you know when I started coaching first it would have been look it would have been a, a good training session it would have been lots of drills lots of intensity and um, you know lads that's gasping for gasping for air, and now it's about now it's, a, it's a completely different it's about what's the purpose uh, of my training session. What what are we trying to achieve? Uh, what's the players need? And there's a, there's a there's a whole there's a whole lot of more planning goes into it. And um, I spend I find myself now actually spending more time trying to think about the right questions to ask in the training session, uh, so I can actually. To get the information from the players now that's not always the case sometimes you have to be directive uh, if you if, you know at certain areas because you know certainly working with younger players and they're learning they're learning the game for the first time you need to be a bit more directive but certainly with what new players or with adult players you know you, you're you're trying to be a bit more facilitative and and help them to use the skills that, that they know to to reach their own potential so yeah, look at you're you're constantly coaching is constantly changing, and you're trying to constantly keep up. I guess.
0: Yeah, we might we might um, jump in on that a little bit, uh, Niall. So um, as you said, your your session maybe five years ago compared to now is is very different. Um, I'm the same. Um, my sessions would look chalk and cheese now than they would have when it, when I first started out as a GPO. I wanted all my cones in a perfect straight line and the right colors and su- such and such. And now I'm in a situation where I get to talk to people like yourself with this show. I'm lucky enough to be in a position to do that and and talk to others. And the more I talk to people, the more I realize the little I know. Um, and I suspect you're you're on the same journey that that always trying to learn. You're in a unique position that you work with um kids from four, five, six. It's, straight away coming into a GAA nursery, a, a very, very large GAA nursery over in Kilmacud Croaks, but you work with kids then right the way through, be it school, and teenage years, uh, but then you also are, are working at the elite end in terms of inter-county. Could you talk about, you, you touched on some of the differences, but I think it's an important message that people realise that the different nuances maybe between the ages and some practical examples of how they could help apply them in their own coaching. Yeah,
1: so uh, I guess, you know, working with children you know, it's very, very different in terms of, you know, you have to you really have to look at what are the priorities and the priorities have to be just fun, enjoyment and developing their skills and building, like building a connection with the club, which for me is really important because, um, like if, if players don't enjoy it or players don't feel a sense of, look, at this is my club or these are my friends or, you know, um, I love coming here. There's, there are so many opportunities from a from a sports perspective that, that that children can go and do. Um, I think that sense of connection to, to to the game they're playing and they love is is it is more more important really than look at how well they develop in terms of their skills. I think if that connection is there and to keep coming back, they will develop. So um, with my session, with my my when I plan of my sessions now say with younger age groups they are always trying to plan for you know differentiation and looking at, at, the, at the different abilities. So you know, they're not they not all they not all want to be senior intercounty players. That's the first thing. They're all coming down t- to your session and they've all different motivations. Some are down there because they're best friends there, some are down there because look at you know what, define this fun. Some are down there because yeah. but you know what, my mum my my mum my mom or dad wants me here. And that's and I have to just get yeah, on with that. Yeah. So but within that session you're going to have different different motivations and different abilities so it's about the games you play or the activities you do that are there ways that you can change those activities um to suit the needs and abilities of 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 your players so simple you know for me i use the family of games or a kind of a, a great framework i use when devising games for different age groups so the family of games for anybody who's know they're, they're made up of target games court games field games and then you're non-invasion or invasion games such as the goal games or your matches and they're all based on on different abilities so uh you know in in a simple game like you know a target game like through the goal or knock the cone or skittles that you might have one player who's able to kick off both feet or strike up both or or, or, of both sides and he or she might be working with a player who just can strike off their left side on the ground so it's about how you know, but, but within that game, you can put in constraints that can that the player, the weaker player, can achieve by maybe hitting after their favorite side and knocking the cone, and the stronger player still getting challenged because you're you're getting them to push five yards back and strike after strike after hand, and they're, they're still getting the same uh, um, just the same challenge from it, and, that, and and that's the that's the hardest bit of the planning because you want to make sure it's challenging but not too challenging and yet not too boring, so winning your games you're planning for that differen- differentiation just just, a just project we're doing now uh, in Croaks at the moment is uh, we're trying to we're working with, with Anya McNamara who, who you'd be very very familiar with Steven uh, from DCU and we're trying to implement uh, uh, I guess a, a psychology pathway in, into the club or in, into the player pathway and just from from reading some of Anya's research um, uh, she's she's uh, Come up with the, with the PCDEs, the psychological characteristics for, for developing excellence. So it's about uh, developing those psychological characteristics um, within our players and how, how we do that practically within our coaching sessions. So, for example, we, we would work, we are doing this with our 13 to 18 players, and some of the skills that we've worked on in terms of the, the psychological characteristics would have been things like commitment. Uh, and goal setting. So how do you implement goal setting into your own coaching session? And most coaches are doing this. Um most coaches are are are, are setting targets for players or asking players to set their own targets, but that, that's what it is. So uh what I'd have done in, in say with the under sixteens delivering that session with the first thing I'd have asked them was what does a good session look like to them? uh what do they feel like a good session would look like so straight away you're asking them to set their own goals and some of the feedback if you ask if you ask players you'll be amazed of some of the stuff that you'll get back from them and they were straight away able to kind of set set some of some of the 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 areas that they'd like to improve or some of the goals that they'd like to achieve within the session and then throughout the session maybe you're you're if if you're playing a, a game of no man's land or you're you're, you're doing doing a, a small set of game you might ask them to cert, to to set certain certain targets within that game and then ask them to review it quickly and that review might only take 30 seconds to see if they achieve a target if they did great if they didn't okay what happened and how can we do better so it's 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 a it's a relatively relatively new concept that we're trying to do in the club, but with Anya's help, we're hoping that that we're trying to develop those aspects and implement that within our player pathway going forward. And so they're kind of the, the areas of you know we look you know when you're working with children and you're working with youths, maybe some of the the focuses that that certainly I'd look at as a coach and, and try and develop uh, you know along that journey.
0: Uh, no, it's fascinating stuff, and obviously I know Anya well, and and she's she's the top of top of her game. Um, I think it's important to say though that the the point I want to highlight that point that you said in terms of coaches are doing this anyway because people might be going, what the hell are they doing? Psychology work with teenagers? For coaches are doing it anyway. It's just maybe putting a framework that they're more aware of how they're doing it and how they can add to their. That's own it. That's it.
1: Like yeah, it's 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 you know really it's it's just about doing it in a more systematic way um and it's more consistent across all all our coaching from six all the way up to up up to adults and that's and most coaches are are doing this stuff as you said uh are asking players questioning players um and that's really important are encouraging things like commitment and you know are are putting those coaches and systems in place for 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 players to, to to develop those skills so uh for us, it's just about doing it in a, in a more
0: in a, in a systematic way. Yeah, it sort of ties back into what you said very early in the in the chat about uh, those how to coach skills and, and reinforcing them. Um we asked three questions at the end of every uh, show. And um, so we're getting close to that time. So uh, I'll start jump right in. What does the term successful coach mean to you?
1: Oh, uh, I suppose, put simply, it's about uh, helping your player or your team achieve their potential um and that might look like look that could look like the player going right the way through 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 the club and playing junior eight or it might look like the player going right the way through the club and playing representing Dublin so it's about helping the player achieve their potential whatever that whatever that might be and um Kind of, that that has changed. That term "successful coaching" has changed for me over the years. It would have been for me; it would have been like winning trophies. And I remember, I know we're going to talk about books in a second, but I remember reading Paul O'Connell's book, and kind of he 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 deemed his success by the number of trophies trophies at at the end of uh, he'd won at the end of the season. Now, for him, success as a player. And, probably he'll take that on to his own coaching career will be, you know, being the best that, that he could possibly be. And that's that's what you're trying to do as a coach. You're trying to develop players' potential and develop uh all their skills and, and helping them to to achieve that potential. And I've been lucky enough in my playing career that I have some good coaches that that, that have helped me do that. So that's what that's what I would say.
0: Excellent, great answer, and um, that's a—you gave me a lovely segue into the next question there. So, uh, your best books, resources, podcasts, whatever you feel uh, that you'd recommend. for Well, again, look
1: at it—not uh, just saying it because I'm on your show, but the Coaching Bubble. You've had some brilliant guest speakers on, and I'd always be tuning in, into that. And I'm not really a—you know—a kind of a. I wouldn't really listen to, to too many podcasts to be honest, but this is certainly one that I find really applicable to me. Um, books, uh, look at it. I haven't read that many coaching books, would you believe? I'm, I love reading autobiographies, coaching stories, player stories. I mentioned Paul O'Connell, and I think it's a brilliant book. Uh, one book I have read is Mind Gym. Uh, I'm not, I forget the author, but he uh, that book gives a great insight in terms of um, uh, giving you practical techniques uh, to improve players' mental games. Uh, and I, I think that's a, that's a fascinating read. Uh, black box thinking, I think, by Matthew Zaid, I've read that one, and it's uh, another fascinating read. And it gives some practical examples from different in- in- industries and how they learn for, from their mistakes, and how that, you know, that how that we have to make mistakes so we can so so we can become better better people, and and we can become better at doing things. And I think uh, in black box thinking, that's kind of just some really really good examples of how. Uh, how different industries and, and sports have learned from their mistakes to become better. I'm re- and I guess the, the book I'm reading at the moment is is the, the Pressure Principle by Dave Alred. It's been on my bookshelf for probably the last eighteen months. I've got a chance to read, and uh, it's it's just a it's a fascinating read. Um, something that you know, uh, it's something that all coaches I'm sure are interested in in terms of how we help our athletes, you know, deal with stress, corporate pressure and how we can turn it from a negative uh, into a positive. So there are just a couple of the books that I've read that I've found really interesting and kind of have helped in my coaching. But look, there's lots of stuff out there. um, You know, there's lots of podcasts. Twitter is a great place for picking up bits and pieces, but, you know, for uh, listening to their coaches. um, So for me, there are just a couple of a uh, couple of books and podcasts that, that I I find helpful.
0: Yeah, no, they the yeah, that's that's really good. And, and and same as always, we we will link um all the books that you mentioned uh on on Twitter and stuff like that as we go forward. I'm nearly sure that book, Mind Jim, is Gary Mack, but I, I will confirm that and we'll stick it up on Twitter. But uh, it is really really good read. Um, last question. Um, top tips for developing coaches. Yeah,
1: uh, the one thing I'd say to if I'm if I'm running a, a coach ed workshop uh, to my coaches, I'd say give it a go. W- whatever you've learned, just go try it. Give it a go. Make the mistakes, review it. I'm gonna rob Lee Morgan's uh, uh, r- review phrase of you know plan do review and up um, to coaches. So if whatever you've learned, go give it a, give it a go. See what works. Find out what doesn't. Make the mistakes. Review it a- and try it again um and then really it's about uh really developing those soft skills so for me as a coach you know i've had to i definitely had to work hard at building the you know the soft skills like you know building up trust with a player um getting to know the player uh being able to give appropriate feedback and building those skills so so your player or your team can can learn to trust you and you build that respect and I think those skills are really important, and any uh, any 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 chance you get to to, to try and work on those skills, uh, I think coaches coaches should develop those because I'm thinking back my own playing career and all the I've had lots of coaches, but there's only three that really stick out in my mind, and they've been they've been the coaches who who have who've been able to really connect with, with me as a player and and and. They're not the coach who who knew all, who knew it all, knew all the games, knew all the drills, but they were able to connect. So I'd say two things. I'd say whatever you learn, put it into practice, give it a go, and then you know keep working on those on those soft skills, the, the, the empathy, and building trust and building respect with your player, and build that connection because that's the they're they're the ones that are really going to count in the long term.
0: Okay, yeah, and I think that's a a really nice way to to, uh, finish up. Uh, It brings us right back to what you said right at the start in terms of that does how to coach skills and, and connecting and communicating with your players um, Noel, you've been brilliant with your time um, I do have one very quick question for you though before we go, we once uh, played on a an, a, an Interferms <laughs> team a long time ago um, and we were beaten in an all Ireland final, would you say that's your, your most heartbreaking that's definitely loss uh,
1: It's definitely up there but you know what uh, it sticks out <laughs> in my mind because the, 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 that night, the crack that night was unbelievable Stephen, and I uh, uh I will uh, I'm sure you'll remember that, but uh yeah we had we had some good crack there with those teams with a the great teams who I think we were hard done by. I think I think extra time killed us. I don't know I won't mention any names now, but a few of our players ran out ran out of the legs in the end, so uh but we didn't, make, we didn't do enough training,
0: Stephen. Yeah. I think there might have been a, a, some of those players maybe uh enjoying I, it the oh, night yeah. before as well. So, but anyway, we leave, we leave it at that. Uh, no listen, thanks a million for coming on. Uh, I, I could have spoke, I could speak to you for hours. Um, fascinating that the, the transition you're you're talking about your transition from player to the coach, and uh, and how that relates to to, to your coaching. Um, some really things jumped out at me that you talked about having empathy with the players and and um, uh, giving them a bit of autonomy, letting players take part of a session. I think is a really good simple idea coaches can take away. And the big one for me, um, so two big ones for me that you talked about is when planning your session, what's the purpose of the session? What's the purpose of the game? What's the purpose of the drill? And how do I ask that? What are the right questions for me to ask to get the most out of my players? And I think that's really, really powerful and really useful for anyone. Thank you for listening to the show. We hope you can take something from it that will help with your own coaching journey. As always, you can listen or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud And you can find us on all social media channels at Bubble Coaching on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Please get in touch because we would love to hear from you. The show was produced by Niall Williams and brought to you by the Coach Education Department of the Camogie Association. Thanks again for listening. Till next time.